It's Friday, March the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up... G20's Russia dilemma and America's refugee pledge. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden said he supports expelling Russia from the G20, a club of rich countries. He said the decision would be up to the group, and if Russia stays, then Mr Biden recommended inviting Ukraine as an observer. He also promised that America and its allies would respond, quote, in kind if Russia used chemical weapons in Ukraine. Earlier, NATO leaders announced that they would deploy more troops to four Eastern European countries. America will impose new sanctions on Russian defence companies, lawmakers and a banker. The Biden administration pledged to accept 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and put $1 billion towards humanitarian aid. Just seven Ukrainians were resettled in America in the first half of March, according to Reuters. More than 3.6 million have fled their country since the war started. Earlier, America determined that Russia has committed war crimes in Ukraine citing the destruction of Mariupol. Russian and Ukrainian forces exchanged prisoners of war for the first time since the invasion began one month ago. Ten soldiers from each country were returned to their own ranks, according to Ukraine's deputy prime minister. Civilian sailors from both nations will also be exchanged. Earlier this month, Ukraine traded a group of Russian soldiers for the mayor of Mariupol. America's Justice Department unsealed charges against four Russians, alleging that they attempted to hack hundreds of energy firms between 2012 and 2018. Prosecutors maintain that one of the hacking campaigns twice shut down a foreign facility. Among the defendants are three Russian intelligence officers. On Monday, the Biden administration warned American firms to strengthen their cyber defences against Russian threats. Ukraine's armed forces claim to have destroyed a large Russian ship in the port of Badansk, a Russian-occupied city in the south of the country. They also said that some Russian forces were withdrawing due, quote, loss of more than 50% of the personnel. However, the Kremlin, quote, continues to replenish losses by training and relocating reserve units. Meanwhile, Russia's defence minister, Sergei Shoigu, was spotted on the screen of a video conference held by Mr Putin. He had not been seen for at least a week, leading to speculation that he had taken the rap for Russia's ham-fisted invasion. Or is in poor health. Other news. Ethiopia's government declared a unilateral truce to allow aid into the northern province of Tigray, which has been suffering from a lack of food and medicines since fighting broke out in November 2020. North Korea confirmed that it test-fired an intercontinental ballistic missile Thursday, violating a self-imposed moratorium on such tests in place since 2018. European officials reached provisional agreement on the Digital Markets Act, 
a landmark technology law that aims to rein in the power of America's tech giants. Canada's Resources Minister said the country would increase oil and gas exports by 300,000 barrels a day to help countries cut imports from Russia. Uber will feature New York City taxes on its ride-hailing app, potentially lessening the animosity between the firm and traditional cab companies and helping Uber deal with driver shortages. America's labour market tightened further with just 187,000 people applying for unemployment benefits last week, the lowest weekly number since 1969. And fact of the day. 31%. How much lower business travel budgets are forecast to be in 2022 than they were in 2019? And now, here's today's agenda. Russia's brain drain. Just as Poles have welcomed Ukrainians fleeing the war, Other countries are coping with arrivals of another sort, Russians escaping Russia. In the past month, around 200,000 have hurriedly left their homes. Many have gone to the closest places that will accept them without a visa. Georgia has taken in about 30,000 and Turkey at least 14,000. Russian emigres tend to oppose the war. Some have been involved in protests. They are mostly young and highly educated, and a disproportionate number work in tech. Indeed, tech workers have left Russia in large numbers throughout Vladimir Putin's presidency, especially since his second term began in 2012. Russia's Association for Electronic Communications admits that up to 70,000, quote, IT industry professionals have left the country since late February and expects a further 100,000 to go in April. Mr Putin, obsessed with traitors and fifth columnists, might wish them all good riddance. But Russia's tottering economy can ill afford such an exodus of talent. Diabolical choices for Belarus Ukraine is not the only country that risks the crushing of its sovereignty under Vladimir Putin's boot. Under the despotic rule of Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus has acted like a Russian vassal state. Mr Putin used it as a launchpad for his invasion in Ukraine and Russia's military presence there has been likened to an occupation. Speculation is rife that Belarus will join the fight itself. It is with these grim thoughts that Belarusian opposition activists will on Friday try to celebrate, quote, Freedom Day. The date marks the creation in 1918 of the doomed Belarusian Democratic Republic, which has maintained a government in exile, currently in Canada, for more than a century. Unfulfilled ambition will weigh even more heavily than usual. War would be risky for Mr Lukashenko's regime already the subject of Western sanctions. Few Belarusians support Mr Putin's invasion. And sending soldiers abroad would leave less muscle for Mr Lukashenko's police state. Regardless, it may be Moscow 
not Minsk, that decides. Baguette-sized bombs for Ukraine The latest American military aid to Ukraine includes 100, quote, loitering munitions. The length of a French loaf and weighing just 2.5 kilograms, these powerful missiles, known as switchblades, are not initially aimed at a target. Instead, they are flown into target-rich areas before the best are selected for attack. Once launched, the switchblade flips out wings that give it a range of 10 kilometres. Though it cannot penetrate tank armour, the missile is effective against unarmoured vehicles, troops and artillery batteries. An optical camera and infrared thermal imager help an operator identify targets. Once locked on, the drone accelerates up to 160 kilometres per hour and chases its prey automatically. Ukraine is well prepared to use such munitions. It ordered a similar design from Poland in 2017, though legal issues delayed the deal and it is not clear if the missiles are in use. Several Ukrainian firms are developing their own loiterers and the country's armourers excel at building weapons quickly in difficult conditions. Imran Khan's big test. No Prime Minister of Pakistan has completed a full five-year term in office. Imran Khan, the country's latest beleaguered leader, could make history in a different way. He may be the first to be dismissed after a vote of no confidence in his leadership. That vote, proceedings for which start in Parliament on Friday, was prompted by several defections from Mr Khan's party. Pakistan Tariq Ayansaf, the opposition, which includes some of PTI's former allies, accused the former cricketer of floundering on economic and foreign policy. He may have made an even bigger mistake, running afoul of Pakistan's army, the traditional kingpin in the country's politics and an important backer of the PTI before their election win in 2018. Mr Khan remains bullish. He has dismissed the defectors as, quote, crooks and called on people to join a, quote, million-man rally in Islamabad, the capital, on Sunday. Many thousands may attend, but popular support is no guarantee of political success in Pakistan. The Game of Life for Koreans in Japan After Japan colonised the Korean peninsula in 1910, Many ethnic Koreans migrated to Japan, some by choice, others under duress. Those who remained after Japan's defeat in the Second World War and their descendants are often known as Zainichi in Korean. The term, which translates as, quote, residing in Japan, belies the painful history of a people treated as perpetual foreigners. In 2017, Min Jin Lee published Pachinko, the first novel in English to delve into Zanichi identity. The title refers to a gambling machine found in parlours often run by Korean Japanese. A televised adaptation of Miss Lee's saga premieres on Friday on Apple TV+. The series alternates between the early 20th century, during Japan's annexation of Korea, and 1989, 
just before its Great Recession. It brings to life the struggles of four generations of a Zanichi family and the risks they take to overcome them. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. What is the legal term for a notional rent payment? Thursday. What term is used in tennis when a service clips the top of the net? Finally, here's the quote of the day from August Picard. Exploration is the sport of the scientist. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.